Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This episode contains distressing themes and descriptions of violence. This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener caution is advised. Saturday, April 18th, 1998. In the early hours of the morning, two police officers were dispatched to the scene of a disturbance at a car park near Dolphin Square and Oxford Street in Western Supermare. PC Clive Golding Ellis and PC Robert Deville were expecting a standard weekend drunken brawl. They saw something much different and considerably more disturbing. The woman was lying on the ground, her skin blistered and distorted, with extensive burns that covered her head and upper body. As the officers urgently called for an ambulance, they spoke to a man standing nearby. He was drinking from a can of lager. The man was drunk and told the officers, I tried to put her out. The flames kept going back again. A passerby alerted a police patrol car and an ambulance was called. They found Jackie no longer in flames now, but still conscious and in agony, with extensive burns. Her teeth and nose were black, and all the hair on her head, eyebrows and eyelashes had been burnt off. In your five police interviews, you continued to lie about what you had done, but there is no doubt that you planned and intended to engage in a gratuitous, deliberate and monstrous attack on Jackie during that road trip with whatever means at your disposal and to intimidate her psychologically to cause maximum physical and mental pain over a period of days. Welcome to Season 8, Episode 5 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. The man lingering around the car park sipping from a can of lager said his name was Stephen Craig, and the woman lying gravely injured on the ground was his girlfriend Jacqueline Kirk, who went by Jackie. When the police officers probed for more details about how Jackie had come to be in such a dire situation, Craig recounted how a fire had started in the car. He had pulled Jackie out of the vehicle before attempting to put out the blaze. Craig further explained that prior to this, they had been approached by a group of men who had left a nearby nightclub. 
When the men began verbally abusing them, Jackie had been carrying a bottle of petrol, which must have spilt over her body. He then claimed when she lit a cigarette, it must have caused the fire. Jackie was rushed to the accident and emergency unit at Western General Hospital, where she was initially treated by Dr. Grace Judge. When the seriousness of Jackie's condition was realised, she was transferred to the intensive care unit at Frenchay Hospital in Bristol. Jackie suffered significant burns to 35% of her body, including her buttocks, upper thighs, torso, chest, neck and face. She had also sustained severe inhalation injuries to her mouth, respiratory tract and lungs, making breathing difficult. Her vocal cords had been damaged beyond repair. The pain must have been unbearable. Stephen Craig was interviewed by the police and said that along with Jackie, he had come to Western Supermare from Bath the previous night. As for why Jackie was holding a bottle of petrol, this was because their Volkswagen had a faulty petrol gauge and they always kept a bottle in the car in case they ran out. However, now the details had changed from Craig's recollection of what happened when asked at the scene. This time he explained that Jackie had splashed the petrol around when pouring it into the car, and then the fire started after she lit a cigarette. Craig claimed that he had managed to put the flames out, but then the fire reignited and she had to roll on the ground until the fire was extinguished. 40-year-old Jacqueline Kirk was not in a position to be interviewed by the police, and it took some time for them to realise that she had children who needed to be informed of their mother's condition. Over the nine months that followed, Jackie underwent 14 operations including skin grafts and a tracheostomy to allow her to breathe. Jackie's children, 22-year-old Shane and 13-year-old Sonna, were her only support network as she recovered from her catastrophic injuries. Shane recalled going to see his mother for the first time. She was unrecognisable as she lay in intensive care with her face covered with bandages. Shane cried when he entered his mother's hospital room. Sonna, who was then just a young teenager, was too afraid to visit her mother until a month later, when Jackie was placed on the Burns ward. It took Jackie's children three bus journeys over two hours to get to Frenchay Hospital, and when Sonna walked into the room, she was stunned by how badly her mother had been hurt. All the physical injuries were Jackie's, the three of them shared the emotional pain of what happened to her. Sonna later recalled, I had to take the nurse's word for it that the person I saw sitting in the bed was my mum, as it looked nothing like her. I did my best to hide my shock and gave her a cuddle, but this person just didn't look like my mum. She had a very skinny body, Hardly any hair and a patchy face. She had tight skin over her face. No lips, just a slit for a mouth. She had no nostrils, and the scar tissue that pulled tight across her face was pulling her bottom eyelids down. She looked like an alien. Jackie could no longer speak, so when her children came to visit each week... She had to write on a notepad to communicate with them. There was a long way to go on her road to recovery, and it seemed Jacqueline Kirk would never be fully healed. Sonna said that although Jackie no longer looked like the mother she knew, she recognised her mother's toes, 
and the words of comfort she wrote on the notepad during her visits. Her brother added, even though she was unrecognisable and she could not speak, slowly, week by week, her personality and character shined through. She slowly became our mum again. After nine long months in the hospital, Jackie was discharged in January 1999. It was difficult for her to walk up and down the stairs to her flat, so she only left if she absolutely had to. And she did brave the outside. She was verbally abused about her appearance by strangers on the street. A further blow came from doctors. They told Jackie's children that her life expectancy was just 10 years due to the complications associated with a tracheostomy and the damage done to her airways. While they all adjusted to a new way of life, in the back of her mind, Sonna could never shake the feeling that a countdown to her mother's death had begun. Jackie was trying to adapt to the challenging task of communicating in a new way. She would cover her tracheostomy hole, allowing her to speak. Still, Jackie's voice was very strained and difficult to understand. Jackie often became frustrated and in turn usually avoided speaking at all. Shane would visit his mother in her flat and often found her inconsolable due to the incessant itching of her scars. He later recalled, She used to think there were bugs crawling under her skin. I would find her hysterically pulling up carpets, even using a hammer to bash holes in the walls, convinced bugs were hiding in the wall cavities. I would try to calm her down most of the time, this just made her more frustrated and angry, so I would join her, and we would spend an afternoon hunting bugs around the flat. Life for Jackie was unimaginably difficult, but almost a year after she had been so badly injured, she finally felt strong enough to tell the police what had happened. Jacqueline Kirk was an outgoing and optimistic person who was exceptionally creative and loved to paint. She adored her children Shane and Sonna, but in the past she struggled with alcohol and drug addiction. Shane left home at the age of 16, but he often returned to check on his mother and took his little sister to school. In 1995, Jackie met Stephen Craig, a homeless addict with a lengthy criminal history, including theft, burglary, assault and possession of an offensive weapon. Jackie gave Craig a chance and allowed him to live in her home after they began a relationship. Shane later recalled, Mum tried to hide the details of this relationship from me, and so at the beginning I never really knew Stephen at all. Slowly over time, my mum began to change, and by 1996 I had a better understanding of their relationship. Mum had lost weight, and her life was quite chaotic. Sana was spending more time with me, and I remember her coming to visit, and then shortly after finding out that, she was in floods of tears telling mum that she wanted to come and live with me. I then realised how bad my mum's relationship was with Stephen, and later learnt from Sonna that she had witnessed so many terrible things that she should never see at such a young age. Living with an addict was problematic because Jackie fell off the wagon and began drinking again and using drugs. This was not the only issue. Stephen Craig was violent and controlling. 
he had injured Jackie a number of times, which required visits to the hospital. He had broken Jackie's cheekbone and during another attack fractured her jaw. Their relationship would use up all of her energy and money. Ten-year-old Sonna had no choice but to stay with her older brother. Eventually, Craig isolated his partner from her friends and other family members. He continued to inflict physical and emotional abuse over a three-year period. On one occasion, he had entered their bedroom while Jackie slept and doused her face and upper body with petrol before telling her all he would have to do was throw a match at her and she would go up in flames. Jackie was scared and bravely asked a friend for help to get Craig out of her life. Help was given when the friend threw Craig out of the flat in 1998, but within days he was back and the abuse continued. On April 15th, 1998, Craig demanded that Jackie hand over the money she had in her bank account. When she said no, he hit her and then locked her in a bathroom at a railway station in Bath, where she remained until a cleaner found her hours later. Two days on, Craig told Jackie that they were going to Plymouth. She was too afraid to say no, allowing him to drive her out of Bath in her Volkswagen. On the journey, Craig said he had hired a hitman from York named Big Charlie to kill her, and it was too late to stop it because Jackie's name was at the top of the list. However, instead of driving to Plymouth, Craig stopped in Western Supermare. They spent the evening walking around the seaside town while drinking, then they spent the night in the car. The next day, Craig's mood worsened, and he was verbally and physically abusive to Jackie. She had been too afraid to tell the police what had really happened next, even after Craig abandoned her. But when she heard he had been arrested for a separate offence, she felt safe enough to come forward. Jackie explained that it was difficult to believe someone she loved could hurt her so badly, and she did not have the strength to tell the police what had happened at first. However, she felt she could not spend the rest of her life unable to reveal the truth. Jackie said Craig had been infatuated with the 1991 Quentin Tarantino film Reservoir Dogs, one scene in particular seems to fascinate him. The scene plays out to the song Stuck in the Middle with You by Steeler's Wheel, as one of the characters played by Michael Madsen dances to the music while he tortures a police officer and douses him in petrol. Jackie said that Craig had watched the scene over and over again and thought it was really cool. When she watched it with him on one occasion, he told her, That's you being tortured, and I'm the guy singing and dancing. She said that Craig had stopped at a service station on the way to Western Supermare, filled a Coke bottle with petrol, and then propped it up behind his seat. On their second night in the town, Craig punched Jackie, cutting her face open. She scrambled into the car to avoid being hit again, and Craig told her to pass him the bottle and put her head down. Explaining what happened next, Jackie said, Then he poured the petrol over me. I could feel it going down my face and my neck. It just seemed to go on and on forever. I wasn't thinking he was going to set fire to me. I just thought I was going to get battered, and I was thinking not again. 
Steve and Craig got out of the car and Jackie did the same. Then he held out a cigarette and told her to smoke it, as it could be her last one. Jackie said that she did not want one, and Craig replied, Take it or I'll throw it at you. See how calm your nerves are now. Jackie took the cigarette and put it to her lips. As she did, Craig lit a lighter, and she could see the flames moving toward her face. She said she could feel her arms and her body being engulfed by the blaze. She desperately tried to call for help. Craig told her to stay away from him and shouted at her to roll on the ground. She did, and she thought the flames had gone out, but then they started again. The next thing she remembered was waking up in intensive care. In the time since the attack, Stephen Craig had moved on. He was in a new relationship, but by April 1999 he was arrested and committed for trial. The trial began at Bristol Crown Court in April of the following year. Stephen Craig was not only charged with grievous bodily harm with intent against Jacqueline Kirk, but he was also facing additional charges for the rape and assault of another woman. The jury heard that in January 1999, the same month Jackie was released from the hospital after spending nine months in the burn unit, Stephen Craig subjected another woman to a prolonged attack. The victim, who remained anonymous for her own protection, recalled that she had been drinking with Craig on January 23, 1999, and they had gone to a flat together in Easton. She said that he then began to beat her with pieces of wood. The victim told the court, There I was in the corner. He took the door off, kicked it, took a slat from the door and hit me with it. Every time one broke, he got another one and hit me with it again and again. The survivor was then sexually assaulted and raped, and between repeated beatings, Craig would walk away and act as if nothing had happened. She said, One minute it was like a frenzy, and the next minute he went and put the TV on. It seemed to go on for a lifetime but I believe it was about three or four hours. Greg told the woman that he could not let her leave, and when he poured lighter fuel and TCP antiseptic over her head and face, she thought he was going to kill her. When she begged for her life, Greg replied, Don't beg. I'm a psychopath. I'm enjoying this. The witness told the jury, He flicked a lighter, and I saw a flame, a spark. I thought, here we go, I'm going to go up. And then he just went away and sat by the window for a bit. Greg used scissors to stab the woman and cut her hair off. Then he attempted to scalp her. However, she finally escaped when someone else called at the flat. After his arrest, Stephen Craig said that as far as he was concerned, he fell asleep after they got to the flat because he was too drunk to do anything else. Detective Constable Phil Griffiths told Craig that the woman had needed stitches on her head and inside her mouth and there was extensive bruising on her legs. Craig claimed that the woman used to be a drug dealer, and that she could have been attacked by someone else, but was trying to cover it up. That said, investigators had found a can of lighter fuel, 
a pair of scissors and a broken bottle of TCP in the flat, as well as bloodstains throughout the area where the woman explained the attack had taken place. The victim's blood was also found on Craig's trousers and boots. Jacqueline Kirk bravely testified about the ordeal she had endured at the car park in Western Supermare. On the witness stand, she had to cover her tracheostomy hole in order to speak. She said she had to speak up out of self-respect. Jackie recalled the systematic abuse Craig inflicted on her throughout their relationship and how he had ordered her to put her head down in the car before he poured petrol over her head. Jackie told the court, I just saw a blue flame from the lighter flashing past my face. I started to feel my arms burning. He turned around and I think I said, help me. The jury had been shown graphic images of Jackie's injuries so they could better understand the testimony of Burns' expert, Dr. John Settle. Dr. Settle said that Jackie's burns were consistent with having had flammable liquid run down her body and beneath her clothes. He described how the burns on the right side of her body were the worst which indicated that her recollection of leaning forward in the passenger seat of the car while petrol was poured over her head accurately reflected her injuries. The prosecutor Martin Picton highlighted that the defendant was fascinated with the notorious torture scene from Reservoir Dogs and had deliberately set Jackie on fire. It was unsurprising then that the jury found Stephen Craig guilty of two counts of grievous bodily harm with intent and one count of rape. Before sentencing Craig to life in prison with a minimum term of nine years in May 2000, Judge Carol Hagen told him, I regard you when under the influence of drink or drugs as representing the gravest risk to the public, and in particular to women with whom you may form a relationship in the future. Craig was also ordered to sign the sex offenders register upon his eventual release from prison. In reference to the horrific attack on Jacqueline Kirk, the judge said, it is difficult to conceive of anyone committing a more horrendous offence. The consequences for her will be with her for the rest of her life. Jacqueline Kirk tried her best to regain control of her life, but it was far from easy. Describing every day as a struggle, her son Shane said. Eating was really hard. Food would get stuck and then she would have a coughing fit. Often she would cough so violently her tracheostomy tube would fly out. Then it had to be cleaned before she could put it back in. She found a way to talk again but was very quiet and sometimes we couldn't understand her. She found this so frustrating then there were the countless visits to the doctors and in and out of hospital with chest infections. While frustrated, Jackie rarely complained, despite the persistent nightmares and pain she suffered. The attack also had a profound effect on her children, especially Sonna, who had to take on a carer's role at the age of 13. She said, I spent my remaining teenage years building a new relationship with my mum, but at the same time, I was constantly worrying that she was okay. Mum spent a lot of time coughing with multiple chest infections and was in and out of hospital all the time. All the while, 
I had a ten-year countdown in the back of my head where I worried that she was going to die at any time. The dynamic of our relationship had now changed, and I had to be the responsible one, the one that worried. Sonna would explain that she missed having a parent who could do things with her, but she was grateful to still have her mother. Well, she survived, and she wasn't meant to survive. Um, and it was very clear when we first got told about um, the incident that, yeah, she wasn't meant to survive, but she had. Um, and then she wasn't meant to recover. Um, and when we didn't think she was ever going to come out the coma that they put her in. Uh, we just assumed that was going to be kind of the last days of her life. Um, but day by day, by day, day went, and... Um, after a month, they brought her out the coma, and then she had to face God knows how many challenges and how many operations, um, and the fact that she had no voice and she was really, really weak, and she was confined to this room in uh, French A Hospital. But she kept on going, um, and she was determined to be herself again. Evidently, Jackie was strong-willed. While initially apprehensive about going out in public because of the reaction of strangers, she became more confident leaving the house after she got a dog, Molly. Jackie and Molly would go out for walks daily, and it was being out that helped Jackie form new friendships. A friend and next-door neighbour Leslie Simmons told the correspondent for the BBC News. She was very brave very resilient and just got on with life. She didn't complain. She didn't strike me as bitter or anything like that. Maybe she felt it, but she didn't show it. Despite being given a life expectancy of just ten years, Jackie was able to be present at both of her children's weddings and she was able to meet her grandchildren and she could no longer paint because of the damage to her hands. She adapted by taking up photography instead. As for Stephen Craig, he made a legal appeal that was denied, and after the years passed, it was eventually time for him to be released. When Jackie's friend asked her if she was afraid about him getting out, Jackie replied, No. What can he do to me that he hasn't already done? Craig was released in 2015, but was recalled three years later when the parole board discovered he had resumed drinking. He was again released on licence on April 2nd, 2019. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This episode of They Walk Among Us is brought to you in association with Centair. Ever entered a seemingly perfect space only to feel like something was missing? That's where Centair comes in. With over three decades of experience, Centair leads the scent marketing industry, scenting resorts, retail outlets, event spaces and more, partnering with major brands like Westin Hotels and Snap Fitness. Chances are you've already encountered their fragrances firsthand. And now Centair is offering you a luxury fragrance experience in the comfort of your home. Visit Centair.com to explore their online store and infuse your spaces with unforgettable scents. Centair diffusers are sleek and fill your space with vivid fragrance for up to 300 hours. And the Centair app lets you schedule your fragrance and control your intensity right from your phone. What's more, all of Centair's more than 60 fragrances are phthalate-free, cruelty-free, safer families, and EcoVad is certified sustainable. Differentiate your space with scent. Try luxury home fragrance trusted by the pros by going to Centair.com and using promo code AMONGUS for an extra 25% off your first order. That's promo code among us for an extra 25% off your first order at centair.com. Three months after Stephen Craig's release, Jacqueline Kirk became seriously ill. She was taken to the resus unit at the local hospital, where doctors struggled to keep her oxygen levels up. Sonna rushed to be by her mother's bedside and later recalled what happened. I tried to hold my mum up to help her breathe and hold her legs to stop her from getting off the trolley. I was cradling my mum like a baby, watching her eyes roll back into her head. She looked like she was going to crash at any moment. The consultant then passed a tube into her stomach to release the trapped air so that her lungs had room to breathe. Then I realised that we had again passed a corner, and she was stable to be transferred to the ITU. Jackie's children believed she would pull through as she always had, but in the early hours of August 23, 2019, Sonna received a phone call and was told there was nothing more they could do. Sonna and Shane raced to the hospital, where Jackie was having difficulty breathing. She was unable to speak, so she had to resort to writing on a notepad as she had done the first time her children visited her after the attack. Sonna said, It was at that moment I had my last conversation with her and I asked her what she wanted to do. My mum wrote back on her pad, Am I dying? I told her she was, as I felt I needed to be honest with her, and I felt she needed to know she had been through so much. I wanted to give her the choice to live or to die, and my mum then wrote back, Give me lots of drugs. It was soon after this that my mum slipped out of consciousness and she died with me and Shane by her bedside holding her hand. Jacqueline Kirk was 62 years old when she passed away. 
after it was determined that Jackie's death was likely a result of the injury she had sustained in the attack two decades prior. An investigation began to see if it was possible to file murder charges against Stephen Cray. Until 1996, a murder charge could only be filed if the victim died within a year and one day of the attack. After that rule was abolished, any death that occurred over three years after an unlawful act meant that the police and the Crown Prosecution Service had to seek permission from the Attorney General to prosecute the case. Although Craig had served time for the attack, the full consequences of his actions were not known at the time he was convicted. Once the Attorney General approved the charge, an arrest warrant was issued. Just before 3pm on June 3rd, 2021, investigators approached Craig as he sat on the ground, leaning against a wall, drinking. His right hand was in a brace, and as he began to roll a cigarette, he was informed that he was being arrested. A surprisingly relaxed exchange between the officers and a bewildered Stephen Craig was captured by an officer's body cam. Yeah. You listen in, all right? So, Jacqueline Kirk, who you were convicted for, yeah. obviously GBH, she died in 2019. Right okay. She's died as a result of the injuries that she sustained in the assault that you committed upon her. Yeah. So that is why you're going to be arrested on suspicion of the murder, okay? So you don't have to say anything, but it may harm your defence if you do not mention when question something which you later to rely on in court. Okay. Anything you do say may be given in evidence. Well, so, yeah, I'm sure it has. Uh, Alright? Uh, so she died from the injuries? Yeah. Which now makes me responsible for murder? That's right, yeah. Well... I take, see, I take it's a lot to get your head around, mm. but... Um, Gone. Got to speak to you about it, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Sorry, but you know what I mean. No, no, no. That's fair enough. Shock, shock. I, I take it's a lot to get in. Yeah. I don't mind you finishing off that cigarette. Yeah, thank we'll, you. All right, but we'll yeah. uh, we'll have to go after that. All right. Yeah. What have you got? Is that bag yours? The second trial began at Bristol Crown Court in October 2022. Opening for the Crown, Prosecutor Richard Smith KC told the jury that the injuries Jacqueline Kirk sustained almost two and a half decades earlier were life-threatening, and she had suffered burns to over a third of her body. Quote, In 1998... This defendant attacked a woman by pouring petrol over her and setting her alight with a flame. The injuries inflicted were of great significance as a result of his actions. However, at the time, the victim survived. As a result, the defendant was tried and punished for what he had then done. But the story does not end there. Many years later, the injured woman died as a result in part of the injuries that this defendant had inflicted on this victim. Therefore, we say that good sense and the law says that this defendant should be accountable for the full consequences of what he did. The prosecution say that this defendant can be described as having murdered the victim. Richard Smith KC explained that the sole issue in the case was whether or not the injuries inflicted by Craig contributed to Jackie's death. Jackie had been taken to Royal United Hospital in Bath on August 21, 2019 with intestinal swelling. As a result of the extensive scarring across her abdomen, her body could not expand to accommodate intestinal swelling as it would in a normal patient, and her breathing was restricted. Her doctors had made the difficult decision not to operate because of the risks associated with surgery on someone with her complex medical needs. 
A cause of death was acute diaphragmatic perforation, a ruptured diaphragm, and her bowel had passed into her chest. The prosecutor said, The constriction, that ability to expand which would have been the case with normal skin, played a part in the rupture of the diaphragm, which led to fatal consequences. The second part, members of the jury, is that her condition as a result of the injuries played a part in the decision not to intervene with the operation to try to repair the diaphragm and attempt at least to save her life. Stephen Craig's counsel told the jury that while he did not dispute that his client had poured petrol over Jackie in 1998 and caused her serious injuries, he said that the cause of death was complex. Christopher Tarani, KC, argued that the decision not to operate on Jackie when she became ill was based on illnesses she was suffering from and not the injuries she sustained two decades prior. The doctors who treated Jackie at the Royal United Hospital said that her significant scarring from the burns had impacted their ability to save her. The court heard that Jackie had a number of long-term chronic illnesses such as emphysema, deep vein thrombosis and a heart condition. Even so, consultant anaesthetist Professor Tim Cook said that Jackie's condition was significantly impacted by changes in physiology because of the scarring that impacted both her breathing and abdomen. The professor explained that the scarring around Jackie's chest wall could be likened to a belt. He testified, Try to imagine three balloons. One is in the abdomen, and the other two are the lungs, and they're all inflated. If the balloon in the abdomen was massively inflated, that pushes up the other two balloons. And when they were inflated, they were squashed. In patients without scarring, they could expand more. Another anaesthetist at the hospital said that the doctors had decided not to operate after Jackie's diaphragm was perforated and that her burn injuries were contributors to that decision. Medical experts testifying for the defence argued that the decision not to operate had been multifactorial and that the scarring was a less-than-minimal contributor to her death. After deliberations, the jury returned with their verdict on October 28, 2022. They were unanimous in their decision. Stephen Craig was found guilty of Jacqueline Kirk's murder. Explaining that the original sentence Craig had served did not reflect the full consequences of his actions, Andrew Pritchard from the CPS addressed the press after the verdict was announced. He said, When Stephen Craig was jailed in 2000 for causing grievous bodily harm with intent to Jacqueline Kirk, no one knew that his actions would eventually lead to Jacqueline's death. Jackie's daughter, Sonna, also provided a statement in which she praised her mother and described Jackie as strong-willed, resilient and stubborn. Sonna said, She was determined to be herself again. It was a hard road. My brother spent a long time with her, supporting her. She rekindled old friendships that made a big, big difference because they helped her be the Jackie she was and not a victim. We didn't want her to be this person who suffered all these horrible things. We wanted her to build her life and be herself again. One of her biggest challenges was living with a tracheostomy um, and all the problems that came with it, falling out, it breaking. She couldn't be uh, heard very well. Um, as she got to know my mum, it's easier to understand her, understand what she was saying. 
and she wanted to be heard. She uh, hated losing her voice. Challenge that people don't understand unless you live with it. I, I never fully understood, but little things like she can go swimming, couldn't have a bath because if that tracheostomy goes uh, underwater, then water gets to go straight into your lungs and you die. It was just the constant chest infections, the constant coughing up, um, and constantly her life was surrounded. Sana recalled being told that her mother would not live more than 10 years after she was finally released from the hospital. Those 10 years came and went. She, uh, she had her 50th birthday, which we never thought was going to happen. Time went on and she had her 60th birthday. She got to um, see her son get married and have a child, got to see me get married and have children. Um, and that was a really, really important thing for all of us. And we came a lot, lot closer. Um, and yeah, I managed to get some of my mum back. Sonna thanked the first responders and everyone involved in her mother's care over the years and said that without them, she would not have had the extra 21 years. She said, Most people would describe her as stubborn, and that's mostly seen as a negative thing. But for her, it was a very positive thing. It kept her going, and it got her stronger, and it got her to be Jackie. So where are we now? Stephen Craig's sentencing hearing was held on November 10th, 2022. During the hearing, Prosecutor Richard Smith KC read from Jacqueline Kirk's own statement from before the trial in 2000. Jackie wrote that it would be an understatement to say she was shocked and traumatised upon seeing the extent of her injuries. She described the sleepless nights due to pain, discomfort and reliving the incident in her mind. She explained that she still did not know the full extent psychologically that the attack would have on her and that no amount of counselling prepared her to return to live in her community where she did not even have the confidence to go to a shop. She would go hungry instead. Jackie wrote, There have been times when I wonder if I have a life to live at all. However, the thought of my children and the fact that I do not want Steve to have an influence on my giving up on life keeps me going at the moment, but I have to admit it is a struggle. I do sometimes think that my scars are just dirty marks on my face and that my face I knew is underneath. I do at times sit there and think I was not meant to live and I was and should have died. One of the things I cannot come to terms with is simply why. Why me? What have I ever done to serve this sentence on my life? I don't know what the future holds for me, but I can say I just try to take each day as it comes. And I have good days and bad days. One thing is for sure that every time I look at myself in the mirror, I'm reminded of what happened. And I realise that I'm going to have to treat my burns for the rest of my life. Jackie's children Shane and Sonna also spoke about the impact their mother's attack and subsequent death had on them. They both had to spend their lives as teenagers and young adults caring for their mother and dealing with the loss of what her life should have been. Shane told the court, Mum was just 40 years old when she was burnt but she managed to find her voice again after being told she would never talk. She beat all the odds and went on to have over 20 more years that I will always be grateful for. I will always feel that mum should and could have done so much more in her life, but Stephen Craig has taken her from our lives too soon. 
Sonna said she was grateful for every extra day she spent with her mother, who surprised everyone by beating the odds. It has been three years since my mum died. During that time, part of my life has been on hold because I haven't had complete closure. I have also had to deal with the emotional trauma of going through a second trial. Only this time, my mum is no longer with me. The hearing marked the first time the judge's sentencing remarks were filmed at Bristol Crown Court. Before the minimum sentence was announced, Mrs Justice Stacey addressed Jackie's loved ones. Jackie's death caused unimaginable pain for her children and family. I want to pay tribute to the courage of Sonna and Shane for their victim impact statements, eloquently describing their mother and their loss. I couldn't help thinking what a credit they both were to themselves and to Jackie and how proud she would have been if she could have heard Sonna read her statement in court today, just as they were so proud of her. Speaking to Stephen Craig, the judge reviewed the factors she had to consider when determining the minimum sentence. I conclude that the starting point for your offence under the schedule must be 30 years, as the seriousness of the offence is particularly high for a number of reasons. Your conduct was sadistic from the build-up to the attack from the time you left Bath two to three days earlier and deliberately setting her head and chest on fire as you did. Anyone who uses petrol in an attack on others must be aware of the level of seriousness of their actions and your use of, when your attack was planned and premeditated, even though I accept you did not uh, bring it to the scene in the formal sense. Deliberately causing really seri in serious injury by fire is likely to involve agony for the victim and the possible possibility of permanent injury or disfigurement, just as it did here, even when there is no intention to kill. But even if I had accepted this 25-year starting point urged on me by your counsel, there were so many aggravating features in your case that would have required an uplift to over 30 years. It becomes a distinction that would make no difference to the overall sentence. So having reached a starting point, I must then consider any aggravating features that are not already factored into the starting point itself. These are, in your case, the history of your pattern of increasing violence towards Jackie, her vulnerability as your partner, and the abuse of trust that that entails, the chilling way in which you forced her into submission and tried to bend her to your will with your abusive behaviour and your misogyny over the months and years, your extreme state of drunkenness over the entire trip to Western Supermare is also an aggravating feature. So too is your cowardly behaviour after you had set Jackie on fire, ordering her to stay away from you to protect yourself from getting burnt, rather than helping to extinguish the fire. You did not even get the duvet from the car for her. Yet even whilst drunk, you had the audacity to play the hero to the police when first asked about what happened. You then maintained your lies in five police interviews, making up a story about a group of yobs and suggesting it was Jackie's fault for spilling the petrol onto her own clothes and lighting a cigarette. But there are two further outstanding significant aggravating features the first aspect is the level of sadism and extreme nature of the attack culminating in the fire on the road trip, which takes it above the factors built into a 30-year starting point. It was just so callous and so brutal. The second is the physical and mental suffering and terrible scarring that Jackie has endured for 21 years when she tried to make 
the best of what was left of her life. As she described it, every time she looked in a mirror or saw the response of others to her scarring or even touched her face, she was reminded of what you had done. It was compounded by the impact on her family and friends. We have heard this morning how Sonna, aged just 13, assumed a parental and carer's role which robbed her of a normal teenage and mother-daughter relationship. Jackie's determination to make the best of things by taking up photography as she could not use her hands to paint, by getting a dog, Molly, to keep her company, and her bravery at ignoring the reactions to her um, scarring, do not mask the restricted demi-life she led throughout that time. What a remarkable and impressive woman she must have been. because Stephen Craig had already been sentenced for offences based on identical facts. The minimum term he was to serve had to be reduced for the time he had already served for attacking Jackie. So from a starting point of 30, the aggravating factors of such cruel behaviour towards Jackie, so lacking in humanity for the reasons I've set out, would take the tariff to 35 and a half years. But you are entitled to some allowance for your limited mitigation, your lack of intention to kill, the progress such as it is that you have made in prison, and more minimally still, the passage of time. I've also taken account of your sense of disappointment that after having been released in 2019, because of Jackie's death, you are now facing a second long period of imprisonment based on exactly the same facts. Those mitigating factors would entitle you to a total deduction of 18 months from the minimum period appropriate for your offence, which would therefore take it to 34 years. Taking into account the period of 18 years, 11 months and 25 days, I therefore set the minimum term at 15 years and 5 days. In other words, if I can put it more simply, your murder of Jackie justifies a total minimum term of imprisonment of 34 years in your life sentence. But because you have already served nearly 19 years for causing the grievous bodily harm that she so bravely endured for 21 years, the term I now impose of 15 years and five days is the balance that would bring the total minimum term to 34 years. It's important that you and everyone concerned with this case should understand what this means. The minimum term is not a fixed term after which you will automatically be released. It is the term that must be served before the parole board can undertake their first review of the case. They will then review the risk that you present at that stage and will consider whether you can properly be released from custody, subject to license, and if so, what the terms of that licence should be. If you are released, you will be subject to licence for the rest of your life. If, for any reason, your licence is revoked, you'll be recalled to prison to continue to serve your life sentence in custody. It follows that unless and until the parole board consider that your release is appropriate, you will remain in custody. Stephen Craig will be eligible to apply for parole in 2037. He will be 73 years old. If you or someone you know is a victim of domestic violence, please visit refuge.org.uk for advice and information. In urgent situations, contact emergency services in the United Kingdom on 999. Thank you for listening, and special thanks to our patrons for their support. For more information on this episode... Please see the show notes or visit our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.